guys. Welcome to Live Laugh Libertarian, or Triple L for short. Um, thanks for joining us for our first episode. Uh, we'll be coming to you weekly, uh, maybe sometimes more. Kind of depends on, you know, we have real lives and real jobs, and this is kind of for fun. So if you listen, we appreciate it. If you don't, to be honest, like these are just conversations that Tony and I have uh, pretty much every day anyway. So we thought, you know, everyone else has a podcast. Why not us? Um, hopefully you're entertained. Hopefully we make you think a little bit differently. Um, but since it's our first episode, we're going to each tell you a little bit about ourselves and then get into some timely topics, you know, for over the last few days. So, um, I'm Mitch and, uh, I'm divorced. I have two kids. Uh, I've been a libertarian my whole life. Um, definitely seems more pertinent these days, especially with what's going on with both parties and, and how everything is, um, so divided, whether it's pure politics or policy or even, you know, all the way to parenting and how you deal with schools in my case and stuff like that. So uh, we really just want to sort of touch on topics that kind of everyone thinks about and maybe give you a little bit of different perspective. Um, and we're hoping entertained. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit about me. Um, I work for a living because I'm not, you know, worthless, I guess, most days anyway. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Tony and I have known each other for a few years. Uh, talked about doing this for a while, and uh, seemed like the timing was was right to, to you know put stuff down and and record and have a good time. Tony, definitely. Um, hey everyone, thanks for listening. My name's Tony. Um, I'm also a dad, uh, a boy, a little boy, and a little girl. And um, so my journey into the Liberty Movement started a little bit later. It came in about 2012 fully and about 2008, 2007 to start with when I first heard um, Ron Paul speak at the, I believe it was the South Carolina GOP debate. Um, kind of since 2007, 2008, I delved deeper into libertarianism, into the LP as a party and um, slowly but surely continued my journey to, uh, to anarchism. Um, I would mostly consider myself an anarcho-capitalist. <clears throat> and um, I also work for a living. And I believe, <laughs> um, I think that um, everyone listening probably will get, there's something you can take away from it, as Mitch said, whether it's our takes on foreign policy, on parenting, or just on current affairs in the world in general. Um, we're two mid-30s dudes just kind of wanting to get our opinions out there and um, hopefully people listening get something out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing, guys, is um, like I said, we hope this is our first one. It's a little, it's going to be a little rickety to start with. I mean, this, you know, we're not trained media professionals. We're nothing. We're just, we're just two dudes. Uh, but we, we, these are conversations that we literally have almost every day. So we thought, why not record them, throw them out there, see what people think. Um, you like it, great. You don't. Honestly, like this is for us. We just want to <laughs> just want to try something new and kind of riff a little bit, talk about some topics, maybe have a little more structure than we than we do in our conversations at night when we're you know, <laughs> drinking whiskey and and uh, yeah. just kind of bullshitting. Which, by the way, uh, it will be not safe for work. Somewhat, uh, we're all adults. <laughs> you know, we're not going to be dropping f bombs every thirty seconds or something like that. I mean, most of the time. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, it's, you know, we hope that this is educational. And before we just bored you to death with this introduction, um, I think we should just talk about some of the stuff that's been happening. So as of right now, we're hoping to get these out within 24 hours. Uh, but it's, it's the 23rd of August. And obviously, there's been a ton of stuff going on, whether it's COVID, it's Afghanistan, obviously, and everyone's seen the video of, you know, the people jumping on the airplane and falling and all that kind of stuff. Um, I obviously have my opinions on it. Uh, whether or not we should have been there in the first place, obviously the withdrawal has been absolutely horrific. Um, but I do not have perspective like Tony does. And Tony's perspective, I think, is definitely worth listening to as, um, excuse me, as uh, a former Marine in the Middle East. So we're going to start out with Tony talking about this because he's got definitely has more perspective and background on um, these types of situations, at least the withdrawal itself, like that specific thing um he he's dealt with it before and he's definitely got some perspective that i think is very valuable that i find very interesting for sure yeah definitely thanks mitch um so kind of looking at what's happened over the course of the last week 
week and a half with Afghanistan and the withdrawal. I mean, it's been a total cluster. There's just no, there's no nice way to put it. Um, I feel like we weren't as prepared as we should have been. And um, there was definitely some prior planning that, uh, that did not take place or was, you know, thrown to the wind in the seemingly quick political victory that withdrawing our troops, you know, would, would give Biden. And I mean, I look at it in totality, you look at 20 years of pretty much straight combat over a trillion dollars spent between the cost of the war and all of our external supporting operations. And I mean, countless lives lost the, you know, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but there were a lot of, a lot of lives lost. And I think that that's a shame to see for people who experienced it. Um, I myself spent 2006, I turned 19 in Iraq and in 2000. Eight, I turned 21 in Iraq. So I've spent some time overseas and I definitely understand um, kind of the frustration. Like when we watched Fallujah fall to ISIS after 15 years of um, 15 years of combat there, it's super frustrating and a bit of personal experience with that. Um, when I was um, active duty in the military, I spent time driving for a senior um, senior of official. And in that time, we welcomed back, um, Marines that were injured. We welcomed families to the casket of their loved one and watching all this unfold the way it is, is just really a tragedy. And I think it's kind of a, a bl black mark on our history. I mean, I think that ultimately we shouldn't have been there to begin with. However, a more organized withdrawal would have been, uh, much more respectful to those that spent their younger years and lost their lives though. Well, I think, I think one of the other things, and, and obviously, you know, those of us in the freedom movement and, you know, libertarians, even, even conservatives and liberals, like kind of all over the spectrum right now, it, it's pretty obvious that we screwed up this withdrawal. I don't think that's, I don't even think that's an issue. Obviously, I don't think we should have been there to begin with, or once we were there and we realized how bad it was. And a lot of that stuff's come out with the Afghan papers and all that kind of stuff, you know, at the very least, those that helped us, those that were allies of the United States, regardless of how you feel about us going in there and how long we stayed, which again, we don't agree with. I think I can speak for both of us saying like, we don't yeah, agree with that. Absolutely. But, you know, these guys, a lot of these guys and gals and everything else, they put their lives on the line to help us and to basically give an Irish goodbye and just, you know, Hey, peace out. And, you know, walk out the front door without giving them the support, not, yeah. not even mentioning the weapons that we're, you know, I'm watching videos of the Taliban in Blackhawks flying around, cruising around like it's, you know, cruising a loop in high school. I mean, they're having a good time. The, the way that we did this and, and the people that helped us that weren't, that we just kind of said, you know, talk to you later and, and left that part of it to me is, is really, really unfortunate. Um, again, there's, and you know, not breaking any ground here on, on that feeling, but you know, should we be the world police? No. But if we're going to go do stuff like this, how do we not support our neighbors and our allies and those that were willing to, you know, sacrifice not only themselves, but their families? How do we just peace out? How do we just leave? How do we, you know, walk out and then come back and say, well, you know, we gave them the tools and we did this and we did that. Okay, that's fine. You know, if you, if you want to do what President Biden did and kind of blow it back on them or the prior administration, which by the way, the prior, prior administration, he was the VP when we started this drawdown from being a nation building mission to a peacekeeping mission and helping build up the military in 2014. Um, so he has direct ownership in that. But to not take care of those people that have helped us is the most, you know, I'm not a flag waving, you know, American guy, but that's the most un-American thing ever. And I think that that's the, big, the biggest frustration. And then you couple that with, you know, everyone's got a cell phone camera now. Everyone's got a smartphone. The video of the runway being overrun and people hanging from planes like they're Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. I mean, that's that stuff is it's haunting and, and it's just a bad way to not only conduct the withdrawal, but it sends a really bad message for, you know, people that think they can depend on us. And again, whether or not they should depend on us is another thing. But we, we present this idea that, you know, you can depend on us for support and all that other kind of stuff. And we look, we look like idiots right now. And it's, it's yeah. a, it's just an awful, an awful thing. 
And uh, like you said, when, I mean, being in Iraq and seeing this and, and being around it directly, yeah. uh, I can't imagine how you feel as, as a former military person, just, you know, watching it just happen and just being, and, you know, and so what was the point, you know, we were there again, whether exactly. or not agree with it, but okay. So what was the point? We're not even support the people that supported us when we were there. Exactly. So I, and, and, I, it's, it's really frustrating and it just, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. I mean, it just, it looks bad and it just looks like we don't know what the hell we're doing. And that's not a, it's not a Biden thing or a Democrat thing. It's a, no. it's a U.S. government country thing. We look like idiots. Yep. We, we look like idiots. I feel like, you know, we, we definitely fumbled this one hard and the, the total, the total withdrawal that we've done kind of in the, in the way we did it is just, it's insane. Like, like I said, you know, and, and, and the wars, I think bring, you know, bring our troops home. There's no need to have people overseas and places we fought in 60 years ago. Um, but I do think we definitely should have done a better job transitioning this. I mean, you know, we brought, you know, quote unquote, brought democracy to a country that didn't want it and will never need it. Um, for, for nothing. Like, like Mitch said, it's super frustrating. And I think that, um, you know, basically every administration since Bush is hold some responsibility and culpability for what's, for what's happened. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, well, I, neither one of us want to beat a dead horse. I mean, everyone knows we, we yeah. fumbled this hard. Like you said, like Tony said, we fumbled this hard. We, we just didn't do a good job. And, you know, should we have been in the first place? No, we both don't think we should have been. Uh, but we were there. And so to not have some sort of an exit strategy and to try to announce it, that it's going to happen before, you know, 9-11 and all this other stuff. And basically being like, hey, terrorists, yeah. this is this is what we're going to do. And then, you know, they're not idiots. They're sitting there going like, well, man, they announced this and they're not taking their gear out. They're not taking their weapons out. They're not taking their people out. Like it, all of a sudden one day they're just going to be like, well, see you later. I mean, it's just, it's just a bad look for us. I just, I, it's just, it's really, there, we do a lot of things, guys. I, I love this country, but we do a lot of things that are, um, you know, kind of eyebrow raising uh, in my lifetime. I'm in my, like Tony said, we're in our mid thirties. This is definitely one of the few times in my life where I am. I honestly don't know why we did it or why we did it, how we did it. Um, and no one can give a good explanation. It's sort of just like, oopsie. I mean, that's basically more or less like oopsie and that's it. It's just, it's, 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 just, it's almost funny in a sad way. Yeah. I mean, it's being treated like, like a party foul. It's being treated like you spilled a beer. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, party foul. Party. Oh, oh. Beer. Like, no, <laughs> my bad guys. Let me just grab a paper towel and act like I'm trying to clean this up. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's, I, I'm sure in the coming days and by next week when we record another episode, I'm sure there'll be more stuff. Hopefully it's better. Um, but I think that, you know, that's just one of the many things going on right now. I think the, the biggest one um, that obviously has been happening for a year and a half now is COVID. And uh, this isn't the smoothest segue necessarily. We'll get better. But there's so many things going on right now. I mean, Afghanistan is honestly kind of a tiny blip, which sounds weird, but it's a tiny blip on, you know, everything happening in our country right now. And obviously COVID is, is, um, you know, the way that we're handling COVID and the way that we're going about stuff and the way that we have done it a year ago. And then now we're coming full circle back to specifically um, mask mandates, which, you know, it, it's, it's, that stuff's getting out of control. They're taking away personal freedoms. Um, my kids are in a public school, a good public school, but it's, it's a public school. And recently they, you know, they, we start, you know, I'm in a, I'm in the Southwest. It's very hot here. We start earlier. So my kids have been in school for two weeks now. And uh, as of last Friday, the school board voted to, or the board of governors voted to mandate masks again. So now my little girl and my little boy who are in elementary school are having to wear masks. Now, I don't know about you, Tony, but you know, when I was a kid, I mean, a lot of learning and socializing is seeing facial expressions. You cannot, yes. you cannot learn well, um, when you can't see the other person's face, especially when you're younger, because you don't necessarily grasp everything. So you look at someone's face to determine, are they angry? Are they happy? You look at the tone of their voice, massive muffle that 
I mean, the other thing too, is, I mean, I, last spring, my kids would come home and their masks were filthy and my kids are actually pretty tidy and pretty, um, you know, they're, they're pretty clean, honestly, which is nice, mm. <laughs> nice as a parent, <laughs> but their masks are filthy. Yep. And we're, we're expecting kids to wear around these germ things all day, every day. And not only do, is it, you know, not sanitary, but also you can't read each other. You can't interact. You can't, you know, even, I mean, teachers, like you're looking at a teacher, is a teacher raising her eyebrows? Cause she's like, you know, being inquisitive of you or is she raising her eyebrows? Cause she's angry at you. And then you try to have to match that with the tone of her voice coming through the mask. And it, as a little kid, it, it confuses you. You don't understand or don't grasp conversations and interactions as well as you should. Mm-hmm. I, and I think to kind of go off of your point, you know, you look at it through like the lens of childhood development and developing an understanding of social cues exactly, and, emo- and emotional intelligence um, to understand, you know, you can walk in a room, walk into basically the middle of a conversation as an adult, understanding all these concepts, and you can have a pretty good idea relatively quickly of what's happening. You can also sit back and scan a room at a party and see multiple conversations happening and at least have, have an idea of how they're going just based on, you know, um, nonverbal communication. And that's something I think that the mask mandates are, are taking away from our, our children to develop. Yeah. I mean, it, what's funny is, so when my kids were in school last spring, uh, you know, they had to wear masks and, and at yeah. first I didn't agree with it, but I was also kind of like, yo, I'm not, <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to ruffle feathers, even though I don't agree with it, you know, whatever. But, yeah. and, and, you know, for kids, it was almost like an accessory, right? Like, oh, I want a camel mask and I want a uniform mm-hmm. mask and I want, and so you could kind of, you know, you could kind of ease, ease it yeah. with them yeah. by doing that kind of stuff. But soften the blow. Then, yeah, soften the blow, exactly. But then when my kids went to summer camp this year and they didn't have to wear masks, they were happier. I mean, my daughter yeah. was, was straight up, hey, I, I love not having to wear a mask. I love seeing my friends' faces. I love being able to like, I mean, she's, you know, she's not that old. She's only seven, eight years old, but she's still, she understands that kind of stuff. She enjoyed seeing her friends. She enjoyed interacting with the friends. My son didn't, who's a little bit younger, didn't directly say that, but he seemed like he was having more fun interacting with his friends and meeting new people because he could actually interact like you're supposed to interact. And these mask mandates, they, they take away all that stuff. And then, you know, now we start the school year in my case, you know, you're different because your kids are homeschooled. I'm jealous, but <laughs> your kids are homeschooled. So it's a little bit different. In my case, my kids start the school year with no masks and they're happy. They're actively talking about how they they're glad they don't have to wear masks. And then yeah. two weeks into the school year, they're being told they have to wear masks. I, mm-hmm. I haven't read up from the board of governors exactly as to I, allegedly it's temporary, but you know, <laughs> good luck temporary things often become permanent exactly anything with any level of any government influence is <laughs> good luck if it's temporary it's temporary quote unquote so yeah, we'll there's see. nothing as permanent um, as a temporary policy yeah i just feel bad i feel bad for our kids i feel bad you know if i wasn't a parent i'm not sure i'd feel this way because i i, I wouldn't experience i i think in general you know kids shouldn't be ma- mandated to wear masks but i wouldn't yeah. have that direct experience of you know my kids talking about how they don't want it and then going into a school and dropping them off and seeing all these little kids that are they just want to have fun they just want to interact they want to learn stuff they want to play on the playground they want to do all this stuff and and you're taking away you know part of their identity and part of their um you know socialization by doing this it's just stupid and i'm not i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist i'm not anything but the more you read all this stuff unless you have a perfectly fitting n95 mask the cloth masks don't do jack the temporary blue mass you might like you might as well just like open hand cough through your fingers and it's doing the same (laughs) damn thing so you know again i'm not i'm not a doctor i don't know but the more you know you don't have to you know be albert einstein to read documents from actual you know doctors and 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 people that practice medicine and nurses and and realize that what what the hell are we doing we don't know what we're doing so we just keep throwing stuff at the wall and saying, ah, oh, this works. And then two months later, yeah, you know what? We tweak this and this. And then two months later, you know, I'll go back to that first thing. And then a year later, all of a sudden it's, you know, now we're mandating masks again. And not only masks, I mean, shit, we're, we're talking about mandating vaccines. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you look at it, 
in terms of like the whole circle. And I mean, it's, it's insanity, you know, insanity is doing the same thing multiple times and expecting a different result. I mean, it's just beating your head against a wall. You're not. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean it, masks it, it, didn't work uh, a year and a half ago. How are they going to work now? I well, mean, and it's, just, and it, like I said, it's progression. I mean, you know, now you look at, at, I mean, today Biden coming on and talking about, you know, asking now that now that Pfizer companies been FDA approved, which by the way, doesn't mean there's any scientific stuff. The FDA no. and the CDC do not look at, at anything scientifically themselves. They look at what is presented to them. So these drug companies present them, quote unquote, their findings from their trials, I guess they're considerate, whatever, their research. And then the FDA and CDC approve stuff. So FDA comes out, approves Pfizer, and then Biden holds a press conference where no questions are taken and encourages companies to mandate it. And I know how I feel about that. And I know where, how you yeah. feel about that too. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's yeah, it's, it's insane. I just, I knew this day was coming. I did not expect it to come so quick. Absolutely. We, we've both been talking about it for a while. I just, it, uh, you know, you think you'd at least give it like a little honeymoon period, maybe mm-hmm. even a couple of days. Nope. Same day. I want, I want companies to mandate it. I mean, really? And I think not to, not to, you know, drop a pun, but I think the mask is slipping, so to speak on a lot of our, a lot of this country's, you know, political establishment. You're, you're slowly, as Mitch said earlier, as cell phone cameras are pervasive as video footage is everywhere. Everyone has a camera in their pocket. You know, you're seeing these, these narratives that were so tightly upheld by the corporate media in the past, you know, 40, 50 years, you're seeing that start to slip as these people are, are being exposed in either what they think is private conversation or even sometimes in, in public in public forums. It's, you know, the kind of the ruling class versus the rest of you in terms of, you know, we're better than this. They don't have mask mandates at any of their events. Obama's birthday party, for example, there was a couple hundred people at. Not a mask I, think, I think they, I think they finally, you know, quote unquote, cut it down to like four or 500 people or something. Yeah. It just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just, yeah, it's rules for you, you know, yeah, rules, rules for the, not, not for me. me. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So I, it's just, it's very frustrating to me to, to see all this stuff. And one of the, one of the buzzwords um, that, you know, libertarians and even some conservatives use, even though they tend to be in bed with corporations, <laughs> but it's crony capitalism. Now crony capitalism you know, I, that's, that's the, unfortunately that's the kind of capitalism we have in this country. It's, it's still better than being Venezuela or someplace. Yes. But all these big corporations control the politicians who then give them tax breaks, tax incentives, all this other crap then use to then donate to these campaigns. Right. So by Biden, and it doesn't, it doesn't even matter that it's Biden who's in power, any politician that does this stuff, they have they have power over these corporations. People people think that all these companies have all this power over politicians. It goes both ways. Yes. Yeah, they have a lot of influence. They give a lot of money. Politicians then give them breaks. Well, now guess what? Now these politicians are going to start putting pressure on these companies to mandate stuff like like the vaccines for their employees. Or guess what? There's going to be something behind the scenes or maybe not even behind the scenes. It might even be public. I mean, I could see people like AOC and some of these and some of these really far left people straight up coming out and saying, you know what, if you want that tax break, you want that tax incentive, you know, you want those urban renewal dollars. If you're a local jurisdiction, you better do this or you know what? I don't know. That stuff might just go away. And people think that's conspiracy and it's not. That's how these relationships work. That's how these companies, these large corporations and these politicians, that's the relationship they have. And it's in the making. It's not like you can just snap your fingers and make it go away. So yeah. by Biden saying that today, that's it's not an ultimatum, but it's a warning to these bigger companies that you know what I'm in power now, and I can I can make your life hard. I can make your taxes go up. I can make all these breaks that we've given you over the decade, over my forty plus years, you know, in politics. I can make that go away, and you know what they will, and that's scary. It, it really is. I mean, you're seeing the true marriage of corporations and politics, like publicly now. It's not even, you know, before it was always sort of a sort of an unwritten rule or an unspoken secret. 
but everyone knew now you're seeing it, you know, in front of your face in the media. I mean, it's just <coughs> unbelievable. Well, it's sort of like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit, but it reminds me of the old show. Everybody loves Raymond, which was a fa- I, I liked it. It was entertaining. I liked but it. Ray's parents. Right. So in front of everybody else, like they're always needling each other. They're always giving each other crap. They're always, you know, it seems like their relationship's very rocky. And then there's always like a scene in an episode where you see them, you know, you know, serving each other dinner and like sitting on the couch watching a movie with popcorn and stuff like that. That's how it is between politicians, regardless of party and big corporations is that, you know, sometimes they have to kind of stoke the fire publicly to make it look like, you know what, these big corporations get too many tax breaks and they get this and they get that and they do. All, and, we, you know, the government gives them too much stuff. At the same time, the government then leverages that against them. And in this case, which is really scary, it's for the vaccine. And, you know, I work at a larger corporation that I really like. And so do yep. you. And I love my team. I love my culture. I love all that stuff. But I'm scared to death that, you know, in a couple of weeks from now, months from now, I'm going to get that email. I'm going to get that letter. I'm going to get my, you know, my superiors saying, hey, everybody, everyone needs to come into my office for a second and have that conversation. And then it puts you in a really tough spot because if, if bigger companies are going to start doing it, everyone's going to follow suit. So where do you go? They're putting you in a corner. They're, they're boxing you in. I mean, they're, they're, they're trapping you and they're going to use their influence and their power to make it happen. Because what are you going to do? You're going to either truly go the agorism route and everything would have to be you know through gray markets and black markets or you're going to be forced you're going to be forced into a position where you choose between your livelihood or getting getting a shot well, and i think that's a very it just speaks to government and and how they do business well yeah i mean what so what's what's your choice right i mean I know that, and I know there's lots of people and hopefully people that listen to this and that gets more than, you know, three listeners, but even if it's three, I hope all three of you um, have places you can go if your employer is going to mandate it. Problem is not everyone has those opportunities. Not everyone has the money where they can just say, I'm close enough to retirement. I'm done. Right. Um, not everyone is single. If I was single, it's a lot easier to take that risk versus, I mean, I am single, but versus being a parent, right? If I don't have kids, if I don't have that stuff, that responsibility, it makes it a lot easier to just be like, look, dude, I'm not an anti-vaxxer because I'm not. I just don't think this is the right way to go about stuff. And I don't trust this research yet. Give me two or three years. I'm not saying I won't do it. But right now, absolutely not. Because the same people that are trying to mandate it are the same people that said when Trump was in office, it absolutely not to trust anything. The vaccine hasn't changed. It's the same damn thing. So now you're going to tell me that I have to get it. You're going to put pressure on my employer to make me get it. And what are my choices? They know they have you because most people can't afford just to walk away. I can't, I can afford to walk away for a little bit, but not very much, especially yeah. not when, you know, I've got to provide health insurance for my kids and benefits and make sure that my kids are taken care of. You, you can't just walk away and they know you, they know they have you right now. And that's just really scary for me. And I think it's scary for a lot of people out there. And probably most people are going to listen to this too. It's that's, no. that's just something that shouldn't, the government should not be one mandating anything, but two, putting pressure on companies and businesses to do it. It's not their role. It's not the role of government at all. No, it's not at all. And, and you, you look at it and see that, like you said, I mean, they put you between a rock and a hard place in a situation where, as you said, I mean, most people can't just walk away from their, their livelihood, you know, their careers they've built, things like that. And it's just, it shows you the force and coercion the state uses to meet the goals they want to meet, whatever that is. I mean, it's, it's interesting to put vaccine mandates and vaccine passports and these things in place over COVID when there are dozens of other viruses most people are vaccinated with in their, in their childhood. Well, um, and, and that's you know, not to say that I'm anti-vax because I'm not. I'm just anti-mandate. I think it's a personal yeah, I mean, decision. I think you're on the same page. Like I'm anti-mandate. My thing is, look, I, I don't think I don't think COVID itself is a huge conspiracy. I just I just don't. No, it's real. I know people yes. that have gotten sick from it. I know people that have died from it, and that's all sad. And I'm not taking any of that away from anybody, especially those that are older that are very susceptible. No. I'm not none of that stuff. I'm taking away. But jabbing something in your arm 
that hasn't gone through full trials, it is number one, I, I believe risking itself anyway, and a total personal yes. choice. Then the government telling you, the state telling you, and putting pressure on employers and doing that is it, it's it's the opposite of what ideals are supposed to represent this country. And yeah. you know, you you can you know people say, oh, you're you're anti this, you're anti that. No, I'm not. I'm I, I'm I'm pro freedom and pro individual choice and pro liberty. And this is absolutely none of that. And they, and they know it. And they're still just sitting there poking, 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 literally and figuratively and punny and however you want to talk about it. Like they're just poking at everybody. And, and they, they know that unfortunately us as a country and us as us as a collective have, you know, over the years and the decades, especially last 20, 30 years, like we kind of just take it. Like we'll, we'll talk a lot. We'll say it. We'll say a lot. These days we'll bitch on social media. Well, when, when push comes to shove, unfortunately, a lot of us just go, eh, and, and, and we deal with it and we just take it. And then, you know, we look back and I go, I wish I would have done that. Like, this is no different than any of that, any of that stuff. And the other thing too, is my last point on this. And then, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you know, I understand people out there that are like, well, when you're a kid, you have to show, if you go to school, you have to show your vaccination card. It's cool. I agree. You do. Uh, but when I get hired someplace, um, every place I've ever worked and I've worked for small businesses, I've worked for large corporations, I've worked many different roles, um, you know, sales where you're dealing with people all the time, operations where, you know, you're dealing with outside vendors all the time. Uh, you know, I've worked basically by myself with one or two other people and you're kind of naturally social distanced. No employer has ever said, I want to see your vaccination status. I want to know that, hey, you're going to be pulling pallets because you're 22 years old. You just graduated college. You, can't, you don't have anything else. You're working in a warehouse. You're going to be pulling product of pallets. There's nails in there. You know, let me make sure you're up to date on your tetanus shot. Um, every year for the flu, you know, your boss doesn't come into you and say, hey, you know, it's September. I'm going to need to proof, see proof that you got that flu shot because it's a liability thing. And we care about our other employees and our customers. No one ever says that. So no. what makes COVID so special? Is it worse than the flu? I mean, looks like it. Yeah. But nothing else that you can get, that you can contract, you know, from a virus, a disease, any, no one, no one asked for that. Unless maybe you're in some crazy lab someplace where, you know, a medical facility, maybe, but most employers couldn't give a shit less if yeah. you catch the flu or if you don't catch the flu or if you catch the common cold or you don't catch the common cold and they never ask you anything about it. And then all of a sudden now, because they're getting pressure from the government, you know what? Now they're going to require it. Like, really? That just yeah, shows I mean, phony everything has become. It's awful. And to your point, even even talking about working in a warehouse, I mean, something as you know communicable as hep C. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. AIDS. You don't ever hear anyone, no. you know, hey, do you have a, a current blood test to show that you're, you know, yeah. HIV negative? No. no. Yeah, no, of it's, course it's, not. That's yeah. an invasion of your privacy. And your personal medical history, in my opinion, is, is personal. It's private. And that's not an employer's place to force you well, to make a when, medical decision. When, when, they're being, when they're being forced or coerced by the government. It's yeah, one thing I mean, if an employer is like, look, man, we're hiring you, but this is what we require. Okay, yes. cool. I'm not going to work for you because I don't want to do that. It's another thing when you're already employed or trying to get a job. And because the government is pressuring them and saying, we're not going to give you breaks. We're not, or not only we're not going to give you breaks, but you know what? We might even come after you. We might even look into your stuff more. We might even put whatever it is or publicly call out people. I mean, look at just the money that Amazon and Jeff Bezos have made, you know, oh, yeah. politicians are calling them out for no reason other than it's an easy target. So if mm -hmm. you're a big corporation and you say, you know what, screw you, I'm not going to mandate this because that's not the job of an employer. And then we're not going to take pressure from the government. The next day, the government officials are going to turn around and start bad mouthing that company and say, you know, if it were me, I wouldn't do business with this company. Or if it were me, I wouldn't go work there. Or, you know what, these guys were up for a contract, but we're, we're going to pull that contract or you know, whatever it is. I mean, they have so much power over these companies now um, because they're in bed together on so many levels. It's, it's just going to be, it's going to turn into a real, real bad situation here. And honestly, with the uh, emergency um, or emergency declaration being lifted and it being fully approved, 
um, by Christmas, it's going to be a real, real interesting time to, to be uh, or try to be a productive, you know, member of society and, and work here. I, I, I just, I truly believe that. I think it's going to be really scary. Well, and absolutely. I mean, I look at it. I mean, I see it as, as basically an attack on a very core individual, you know, natural individual's natural, right. You know, I mean, I look at it from the lens of free association, you know, like you were talking about, if it's a small company and this small company says, Hey, COVID has been going around. Um, you know, we've made the decision as a private entity to ask their employees are, are vaccinated. That is a, a stipulation of employment or a condition of employment. Okay. Fair enough. I won't work there. Exactly. But that's your decision to make. It's not the government's place, as you said, to force that decision onto a company because now not only is the company put in a very hard spot in terms of the, you know, they, they now have to require it. They're going to limit their hiring pool. They're possibly going to chase away good talent, you know, over, over a government mandate for something that's just, it's totally unprecedented in, in history that I've seen. <clears throat> well, the other thing too, is it's like the, the, the funny thing about it is because, you know, I keep talking about crony capitalism, but the funny thing is it doesn't even have to be necessarily a federal mandate. It's, or a state mandate, depending on if you're in one of the crazy states, but the because it's so intertwined, it doesn't even have to be anything even necessarily outwardly, although President Biden definitely went that way today. But yes, behind did. the scenes, if, he, if he's saying that stuff publicly, you know that CEOs of major companies that meet with him and his leadership team all the time because it's not – and they met with Trump all the time. They met with Obama. Like, right? Big CEOs and big companies meet with government leadership all the time. Yes. For ideas for everything else. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is, whether it's, Hey, can we get some help here? Or, Hey, we have this idea or whatever it is. So, you know, behind the scenes, if he's saying that stuff publicly behind the scenes, him and his team are absolutely driving that home and absolutely putting pressure on them. And it's just how far are they willing to go with that pressure now, based on everything that we've experienced over the last year and a half, I would say that pressure is probably very, very high. And I would say that the tactics are probably very, very low in terms of, you know, we'll cut you off at the knees if we have to. And I just, it, that kind of stuff just really scares me now, you know, to be fair, it's company's fault for over the decades, getting so involved and intertwined with all the crap that the government does. And so they've kind of put themselves in a hard place too at their own fault, but they've put themselves in a hard place too. So, um, I mean, I, I, really, I don't have anything else really to say on this. It kind of is, a, we've been talking about it for 15 minutes now. I just think <laughs> it's really scary that we're in this position um, as a country, as, as individuals, and that, you know, we're going to be forced to choose a livelihood and take care of our families or standing up for individual freedoms. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. No, um, absolutely. And there, it looks like it's going to become that way. And that, that to me is, is, like I've said a few times, it's very scary. And it's also, frankly, it's just sad. So one, and the the last thing I really have on that, to your point, is you're going to talk about a shot across the bow, like a true warning shot to those corporations, those CEOs, those boards of directors. I mean, if the president comes out the day of FDA approval, which we all know means literally nothing. Um, and says, you know, I'm recommending, urging, um, you know, companies to, to mandate this. That's pretty ballsy for, for a nationwide news program to air. Um, you know, the president coming out and saying that. That's, yeah, in so my you know, opinion, the, a direct yeah, so you know. You know, behind the scenes, if he's saying that, oh, absolutely, they're putting the press conference, put to him. yeah, oh yeah, they're putting the screws to him behind the scenes. So when a company mandates it, you might be pissed at your employer, and you should be. Um, you know, if if you don't want to get the shot, you should be pissed. At the same time, dude, they're getting they are getting absolutely railed behind the scenes by the government, yeah. trying to tell them what they can and can't do, and the government's actively going to pick winners and losers, which I that's another you know catchphrase term that yeah. doesn't mean as much as it used to be, but you know, hey, if you're, hey, hey, 
CEO of Apple. I'm gonna, you know, I'm I want you guys to do this. And Tim Cook comes out and says, Yep, we're gonna do it. Right now, obviously, I don't know if that's gonna happen or not, but let's just use him as an example. And he says, Yep, we're gonna come on and do it. And then, you know, the the president of you know, president and CEO of Google says, No, we're not gonna do it. Well, okay, who do you think the government's gonna favor? Which is again why this stuff being intertwined is so bad. And I'm sure yes. we'll get into that as this podcast goes along and maybe we pull our fifth and sixth listener instead of three or four listeners. But like, that is why we're ending up in this situation too, is because they've been so reliant on every, each other for so long. The government gets put in that position of picking winners and losers. And you know, they're going to pick the person that's going with their narrative um, versus it being true for enterprise where, you know, the cream rises and the rest sink. Exactly. So exactly. And I mean, I think that, Although our government's pushing some very, very questionable, questionable things right now. Um, I mean, on the bright side, not that I'm forever the optimist, but on the <laughs> no, bright yes. side. I don't know if you know this because you guys don't because it's our first episode. Tony is not what I would call an optimist. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do think things, things could be worse. Um, I mean, look at Australia. <laughs> half glass full there you go geez yeah we can go yeah uh actually you know what speaking of australia and and the mandates and the government Mm -hmm. trying to uh our government you know pushing all this stuff you know everyone likes to say oh we're never going to turn into venezuela you know and and have no food on the shelves and oh no we're better than that we're not going to turn to australia look what the look at what they're doing there where you can't even leave your house or go on your own patio because you know they're on lockdown or new zealand shuts down the entire country because one positive one case positive case. case yeah um which by the way is asinine but whatever lockdowns like that you know i mean look a year ago a year and a half ago well not quite a year and a half ago right california lockdown new york Lockdown. New York now has vaccine passports to be able to, you know, go enjoy your life. If you guys think that that or what's happening in Australia will never happen here, you're part of the problem. And this yes. doesn't mean you need to be a conspiracy ridden freak out over everything, you know, tinfoil hat wearing all oh, this. You want to go for it, but that's not really my thing. I'm, I tend to try to use more common or what I consider at least common sense, but this stuff can happen. I guarantee you, a lot of those people sitting in Australia, those guys and gals out there didn't think that would ever happen there. And now it's yep. happening. So, and it's already happening here in certain cases. It's just not, it's just not nationwide. But in my mind, the vaccine passport in New York is a version of a lockdown. You're not allowed yes. to go live your life and go do what you want to do, which by the way, it's not like this stuff is free. You're not allowed to pay your own money to go do stuff that you've earned the right to do as a citizen right Mm -hmm. you you have natural rights obviously but you've earned the right to go you spend your money that you earn to go to a nightclub to go to a ball game to go to look at las vegas the the raiders are requiring that and casinos unfortunately i think are going to follow suit that you can't even go to a game unless you're vaccinated you think the raiders made that all on their own no that's government getting involved so and they're they're just the first ones that caved all of this stuff is a version of what you're seeing in Australia. Now it's not police beating a dude down, which everyone's seen that clip beating a dude down. Yeah. refuses to wear a mask and go back inside of his house. We're not there yet, but if you guys think that that can't happen here, um, I don't know about you, Tony, but yeah, it absolutely can. It's already starting to happen. Oh yeah. It's, I just it, happen it, to live in a state where it's not. And I'm very, very thankful for it. You happen to live in a state that has done some of that stuff and it's yeah. kind of sketchy, man. Oh, absolutely. And I think that living, um, you know, living on the left coast where I live, um, in sunny San Diego, it's, um, it's a beautiful place, but, um, they have some, their priorities are a little mixed up is the nicest way I can put it. And I think that, like you said, seeing it happen in Australia, I mean, if you don't think it's going to happen here, you're, you're lying to yourself because I mean, if you look at it on a whole in total, we are being socially, we being the American people, are being socially conditioned to accept more and more encroachment in our lives daily by the government. I mean, we have been, not to go back to the beginning, but we have been since the war on terror. This is how the Patriot Act passed. This is how 
the National Defense Authorization Acts pass every year, which allow indefinite detention of US citizens without a trial. Um, these things happen kind of like the old saying, slowly at first and then all at once. It's a cumulative effect of, it's a cumulative effect of, you know, 30 years of conditioning us to this. Australia has been at it longer. They've had their guns taken away for a long time. They've been in a nanny state for a long time. And I think we're very quickly headed in that direction. Yeah. I mean, it's the old, it's the old thing, you know, if you, if you boil water and you, and you drop a frog into it, the frog's going to jump out. If you put a frog in cold water and slowly warm it, frog acclimates to it and eventually dies. Like exactly. it's the same, it's the same kind of thing that we've been doing here. And I think that, I think there's a lot of these other issues, you know, you bring up all the, all the defense stuff and everything else. And, mm-hmm. and obviously you know, that hits home for me the most, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Patriot act. And, yep. you know, I'm sure at some point, cause the snow and stuff fascinates me. I'm sure we'll get oh, into it's amazing. That. I'm sure we'll get into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, because again, you know, this is for us. This is, these are conversations we have every night. So we thought, Hey, screw it. We'll record it. Right. Um, yeah, capture them, put them out there for people to listen to. Yeah. And if you like, again, if you like it, cool. If you don't, whatever. Uh, our plan is if we can get a little traction too, we'd love to have uh, different perspectives on to join these things too. I mean, if you agree with us and you want to talk about stuff, let's talk about it, man. If you are uh, I mean, a woman, whatever, or whatever you call yourself. Um, one of the, one of the more interesting things I've found personally, and I'm a very avid podcast listener, spend a lot of time driving. So I spend a lot of time driving, listening to podcasts. Yes. And I found that um, to me, some of the most interesting podcasts are people who are diametrically opposed, total opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, you really get to see an interesting interaction. I mean, I listened to a podcast today with a fairly well-known socialist and um a fairly well-known agorist and it was very interesting conversation because they're coming from very opposite ends of the spectrum but uh it definitely is enlightening for sure yeah and i think that one of the things that we're trying to accomplish other than again just recording normal conversations we have um although to be fair like this one's a little less animated than normal because we're a little little uh sheepish as to how aggressive we should be (laughs) i think is a is a good way so we'll 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 keep working on that, guys. But I think one of the things you'll find from us is that although we're both, um, we agree on a lot of stuff, we don't always agree, but we have good discussions about it. And I think one of the other things about about Tony and I that hopefully you'll, you will appreciate as we go forward is that um, I love hearing other perspectives. I love listening yeah. to Bernie Sanders talk. I don't agree with any policy he has. I, I, I respect the fact that he is who he is. Um, yes. I feel the same way about some conservatives too. I feel the same way about even some liber- other libertarians that I don't agree with. I think yeah. that we've gotten so far off base um, with, if you, if I, if you don't agree with me and I don't agree with you on everything, then um, not only am I not going to support you in anything, but I'm also going to be for lack of a better word, a total asshole to you. Uh, I'm not that way at all. I would yeah. love to hear your perspective. I have tons of family that are very conservative. I have, I have, actually no family i know that's liberal which is kind of weird but i have a lot of friends that are very liberal um i love hearing i love hearing their perspectives even though i don't always agree with them um but i love having those discussions because you can't you you know you can't learn anything and grow yourself and understand um where other people are coming from and maybe how you can how you can help them see your perspective without actually listening to them Uh, yes and so again, as we go forward, I'm hoping in the next, uh, we're hoping in the next, you know, month or two to, you know, get, get a listener. I mean, someone, you know, if you're a friend say, you know, and you have a different perspective, you know, shoot us a text message, let us know if you're someone who's listening to this and you're like, you know what, I kind of like these guys, but I have a different perspective as, you know, wherever you are on the spectrum, um, shoot us an email. Our website will be up here in about a week. Uh, we're still working on it right now. If not, you know, d- you know, DM us on any of our social media yeah. platforms. Uh, but we want to hear from people. We want to listen, you know, to everyone's perspective. We want to have, you know, legit discussions about stuff. And um, and again, this, this is very policy and politic heavy on this one. But I think going forward, we're going to talk about er- all aspects of life because, yeah. you know, because we're 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 adults and we experience many different things. We experience, you know, relationships, whether that's with a friend or a significant other. And, you know, different views can, can, 
really screw that stuff up, to be honest. Uh, you know, parenting, obviously, yeah. that has a huge impact on parenting, how you raise your kids. And, you know, from my perspective, I'm divorced. So how do I talk about or how do I how do I teach and and uh, interact with my kids when maybe my my former significant other, you know, isn't quite on the same page in you know, philosophy wise. So I think there's a lot of different stuff we can offer and a lot of different perspectives that we, we want to hear from others, too. And, um, you know, we'll get better. This is our first podcast. Hopefully listen, hopefully. 20 minutes ago you didn't shut us off if you did <laughs> and you did good for you um uh, but uh i think from my perspective i mean i you know i hope we gain some traction i hope you guys enjoy it and um uh, it's been it's been you know good chatting with everybody yeah definitely um something else i wanted to add um speaking to your point about parents is um if anyone has made it this far and you happen to be a parent <laughs> um to a child. I think that a, a good book series to get for them would be the, uh, the Tuttle twins. Absolutely. I think it's a, it's a very good tool to begin to teach your kids some of these little bit heavier, more maybe adult topics, um, as far as politics, money, the law, how the world works, because that's something that, um, I think is lacking in a lot of education. Um, public education in particularly, but in a lot of people's education, I, I think that if you can make it this far and listen to us for this long, that's a uh, nice little little piece of information to drop for you guys. Check out uh, Tuttle Twins book series. Nope, I agree. I have those for my kids as well. Um, they really enjoy them. They ask good questions. And uh, I think that's an excellent recommendation. Um, I think that's it for us tonight, guys, yeah. today. Well, um, like I said, we're, we're, our goal is our goal or our, our, our mission is for sure. Once a week, if, if stuff gets more, uh, timely, um, and we have some more traction with everything going forward, we'll try to post throughout the week as well. Uh, once a website gets built, we will have blogs that both Tony and I write on there. Uh, mm-hmm. if you want to be a guest contributor, you can, you know, shoot us an email or, or DM us and put stuff on there too, from all different perspectives. So, I mean, we're, we really are just kind of open to stuff, you know, whatever your viewpoint is. Uh, and obviously check us out on social media at triple L pod and triple L underscore pod, um, Twitter, Facebook, you know, Instagram. Instagram. Uh, we do have a YouTube, YouTube channel, although I'm probably sure you guys don't want to see our faces, but at some point we probably will post some video content. Yeah. Uh, sure. But I mean, we're just having fun guys at the same time, you know, we believe in this stuff very, very uh, deeply. Uh, yes. And we, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, definitely definitely next time guys thanks for listening